Hello, Monetization Nation. In today's episode, Matt Bailey will share some of his strategies for chasing real profit and not just meaningless vanity numbers. He will share strategies about asking the right questions and listening. We'll also discuss diversifying our revenue streams, learning from our failures, and the tectonic shift that's happening with Google and third-party cookies. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. Today, I'm joined by Matt Bailey, who's a best-selling author, marketing expert, trainer, and speaker about digital marketing strategy. Matt is the digital marketing instructor for direct marketing for the Direct Marketing Association, the Association of National Advertisers, an instructor for uh, LinkedIn Learning, uh, and his training content and curriculum can also be found at Rutgers University, Duke University, Purdue, Microsoft, Hewlett Packard, and many others. He's written several books, such as Internet Marketing, An Hour a Day, Wired to Be Wowed, and Teach New Dogs Old Tricks. He's also the host of Endless Coffee Cup podcast, which is a regular discussion of marketing and culture examining issues beyond the headlines. He also offers in-depth certification courses and training for digital marketing professors through OMCP. Thank you so much for joining us today, Matt. Oh, thank you, Nathan. It's a privilege to be here. So can we start off by having you share something that you are super passionate about? <laughs> right now, I am super passionate about digital and media literacy. Uh, the ability to, I would say, have the skills to understand the tools that you're using, such as search, uh, or even to understand bias in information. Uh, that is something I am dedicating a lot of time and effort to in teaching not only children, but adults in how to assess the information that they see every day online. Can you, can you tell me the story of your journey to become an expert digital strategist? All right. Yeah, I, so I'm going to go back. And when I was in university, the internet did not exist. Okay. I was, I was at university from about uh, 89 to 93 around there. And while I was, you know, familiar with what was online, it just wasn't what we have now. So I went with journalism as a degree. And before I even graduated, I knew I didn't want to be in journalism. Uh, but I was thankful for the skills it taught me to write. After I got out, I went into real estate because I enjoyed sales. I enjoyed the challenge. But what I realized very quickly is that for these large commercial properties, there was only a limited way of promoting them. It was print, it was television, it was very strange methods, and they all cost a lot of money. So this was about 96, and I started building websites for these commercial properties. Fast forward about two years, I'm getting about 200 leads a month off of these websites. And all of my business is coming from these websites, and I am busy. One night I sat down, I've got about two hours and what am I going to do on the website? And the question came into my mind, what's the most profitable way that I could use these next two hours? Because there's 30 things I could do, but I need to know what's going to be the most profitable. 
And so I, at that point, I taught myself how to code. I taught myself how to do all these things. I, I learned search engine optimization back in the early days. Uh, I was doing link building. I was doing PR. But that question stuck in my mind is that I need to learn this. And so that's where I started learning analytics. And once I learned that and once I started tracking down, well, yeah, I'm getting uh, most of my leads from search, but those leads aren't turning into sales. Well, that changed my whole perspective about what I was doing, how I was doing it, and following the profit rather than following the big numbers. Because mm -hmm. if I had just asked what's generating the most leads, I would have answered that question, but it was the wrong question. So it was really a matter of just asking the right question at the right time brought me to understand what was most important. So how did you answer that question and, and how has your understanding of that answer evolved over the years? How can, I, I'm finding myself saying, man, I do that sometimes myself too, where, where I'm focused on driving a whole bunch of leads, but maybe certain groups of those aren't, you know, converting into sales. How do right. you differentiate? How do you, how do you put that into practice? It was the 80-20 rule is what I found. I was getting more than 80% of my leads through search rankings and when I looked at my sales records, none of them turned into sales. So that right away told me big numbers lie. And even though I'm getting the most amount of leads from there, they're not, and, and I'm looking at how those customers and I'm, and you know, this is all on spreadsheets at this point. I'm looking at how many appointments did I have? What did they result in? What's the current status? So I did some more digging and I found through a combination of customer files, and I was using early web trends at that point, I, I found that where my sales came from, it was from articles that I had gotten published on uh, real estate sites, on specialty publishers, where there were links from those articles to my website. And the sales came from people who were reading those articles, clicked the links, came and registered on my website. And that's when I realized, you know, and, and the thing is, that was less than 4% of my traffic, but it was over 80% of my sales. And so that's where I, I get down to, it's asking the right question, because then you get the right answer and that will guide you as to where you put your time and money. I remember many years ago, I, I saw a Dilbert comic strip and Dilbert was talking to the pointy hair boss and said... <laughs> why don't we just figure out what we, we do the best of and make the most money of, and let's just do more of that. And they mocked him and made fun of him, but yeah, it's such a simple concept, right? Let's mm -hmm. find what's generating 80% of our leads, but is 80% of our sales and is only 4% of our leads. And let's figure out how to do 10 times more of those. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so over the years, I mean, I, I would, I, when I was in the agency side, uh, I would talk to business owners and they would tell me, well, my number one priority is getting more visitors to the site. And that's why we want to use social media. And that's why we want to do these things. We want to get more people to the site. And I would have to ask them, well, do you make money based on visitors? No, we make money based on leads and, and turning those leads into sales. I'm like, well, visitors does not equal leads. They're two different things. Now, one may lead to the other, but you've got to figure out what that connection is. Just simply getting more visitors means more people are going to leave your site disappointed. Yeah. And, and for some reason, in, in, in the mindset of many business owners, 
marketing directors, it, it, it went all through the industry. More visitors meant more business, but yet there was a missing middle piece. You know, there was a missing point number two uh, that just fell out. And it was, what makes us the most money? Where do those visitors come from? What are they looking for? And again, it comes to asking good questions. Is there anything else you want to tell about your story? Well, this is Monetization Nation. So I'll tell yes. you a couple of things I learned. Number one, I built these sites to for my properties. And over a few months, I started getting more and more rankings for the, the site. Uh, I started building some specialty sites. But all of a sudden, I started having other agents contact me because they said when I went to go search for, uh, you know, who's selling these, your site is everywhere. And so they started paying me to put their properties on. Uh, the only, there was a couple other competitors and they were asking for a percentage of sales. And I did, as an agent, I hated doing that because that means yeah. now someone else gets my money and all I'm doing is listing. So I just came up with a fair price. Uh, one time you get your, your listing on here, just let me know when it sells and I'll take it off. Uh, and any of the leads went directly through to them but they were coming to my site. So that taught me very early, I can make money through many other ways rather than just selling properties. And, and that's what made me get out of the real estate business because selling properties, that's a lot of work. Putting up a website and having other people pay you to put their stuff on it, that takes very little work at all. So yeah. that was one of those things that I learned is that with the internet, with all these things, there are many different ways to develop multiple income streams. And you just got to be aware of what drives that. And be willing to think about it differently, right? Let's, oh. let's not do real estate the same way real estate was done in the past, right? Let's right. figure this new revenue stream that, mm -hmm. that's an add-on revenue stream that doesn't cost you anything more, um, that, that gives you a completely passive source of income. And I'm just so glad I did this before Zillow. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing yeah. how much Zillow is driving the real estate industry. I, I saw a statistic the other day of what percentage of home sales are now coming through Zillow where people are finding them. And it's, it's yep. ridiculous. It's, it's actually scary for real estate agents because mm -hmm. Zillow lets real people list their own homes. And if the vast majority of home sales are coming through Zillow, more and more people are going to be asking, well, why can't I just, why don't I just list it myself? Why am I paying 6% commission to sell this home? Right. right. And yeah. So I, full disclosure, I sold my last home through Zillow. Me too. I just put it on a, Zillow and sold yeah. it. Yeah. Now they had an agent and the, the house I bought, I had to go through an agent because it was listed that way. Um, I learned a few things and, and also being in the industry, sometimes I will tell you this, it is worth it to have an agent, especially if you've got some issues that need yeah. to go back and forth. Uh, my old home had an issue. Um, it, you know, one of the things with the inspection, we had to have someone come in and fix it and the agent handled all of it. So in that way, I was like, thank you. More than happy, you do this. Uh, other times, you know, yeah, 6%, oof, that's a nice chunk of change. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people that want to hire someone to take care of the details and do it for them. And there's a lot of times where things can go wrong and you need an expert to help you through that. So mm -hmm. I'm not knocking having a real estate agent. What I'm saying though, is that is an industry that is definitely being disrupted. Oh. And if I was a real yeah. estate agent, I would be definitely focused on differentiating myself and 
and figuring out what I can provide that's far better than what Zillow can provide. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and yeah, there's a, a lot of opportunity out there to differentiate yourself. And, but that's, you know, that's an industry thing. So I'll let that go. Yeah. <laughs> I have definite opinions. I'll just let them go. <laughs> Have you finished telling your story? Is there anything else you want to share? Yeah, well, that was pretty much the start. Um, from there, I worked both brand side um, in both the technical software industry and doing sales uh, as well as support on that. Uh, then I went into the agency side and eventually started my own agency, ran that for about 10 years. Uh, but during that whole time, I was also being asked to go speak and train at other companies. Uh, so eventually it got to the point where I had to decide which one I wanted to do most uh, yeah. when I grew up. So went full time into the training. Uh, and that's what brings me here today. So you're not just training from someone who doesn't know what he's doing. You've been there and done that and run the agency and run the business. And you've kind of gone up the, whole, the full uh, spectrum of, of running those types of organizations. Yeah, it's been a unique experience. I mean, I was my own IT support. So then when I went to work for a brand, I could go talk to the IT people because I knew what they were doing. Yeah. So here I am in marketing and sales, and I'm working with IT. Then when I was agency, uh, I was both marketing and sales. So the, the areas of business that have the most divide, you know, between IT and marketing or between marketing and sales I've been there. I've done both of those. And so it really helps me understand the nuances of each and how they need to work together to accomplish, uh, you know, a great customer experience. Yeah. Okay. Can you tell me the greatest home run that you've hit in your storied career? <laughs> What's the greatest success that you've had either for yourself or that you've helped a client achieve? You know, I, those are things I absolutely love is, Number one, when a business owner calls me and says, I went through your training course and I, you know, I went and I did this, I've doubled my sales in the past year. I love those calls. Um, or even uh, someone calls and says, or sends me an email and it's, I got a raise, I got a promotion. I was recognized at work because I implemented some of the things that I learned in your courses. Those are, you know, more than... I mean, when I had the agency, we had, we had great success stories. We had a, we had a client land a multi-million dollar deal because of what we did with them in, in optimization and marketing. But what I love more is when individuals are empowered and they see success by their own hands, by what they did, and it gives them confidence. It gives them just this joy that I understand it. And I made this happen. That to me is, is I can't do a better home run than that is, is giving someone else the knowledge and the power and the ability to change their life. So you're saying the greatest success in your career has come from mentorship has come from you being Obi-Wan Kenobi, <laughs> who's helping Luke Skywalker instead of you being the, the hero, Luke Skywalker. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's seeing other people be successful. I mean, that, and having a hand in that, I mean, I mean, you can't ask for better than that. I, yeah. I absolutely, I, I, I yeah, the, that's what does it for me. Okay. Uh, what's the greatest mistake or failure that you've seen in your career and what did you learn from it? Mm, fail, um, you know, that's good. A lot of people would say, you know, and I, and I, I could point to this. I, I was let go three times from three different jobs 
because of financial cutbacks. And that, I think a lot of times people would look to that as a failure, that being let go from a job. And it does, it damages you psychologically because essentially what this organization is telling you is we don't need you. Um, That, it's funny because I look back on that now. That was the best thing that ever could have happened. It forced me into realizing, number one, now working for myself, I am more secure now than if I were working for a Fortune 500 company, a Fortune 100 company. If I were working for any business in the world, I am more secure right now because I built this yep. and I, I am in control of what's happening. Uh, so yeah, in, in one way, you know, it could be a failure. Other things I look back on and they're all learning experiences. Um, you know, a couple of things where maybe, you know, I worked with a couple of clients and things didn't work out well. I look back on that and I see, well, there are ways I could have handled maybe the discussions differently or the expectations or, you know, I probably shouldn't have even taken that client in the first place. Uh, there were some, you know, flags I could have seen. So it's kind of those things that help guide me that th- those memories of, I could have done that better. And what did I learn from that? That's really, I, I'm, trying to think of maybe like one situation, but it's, it's really a lot of things that you learn from uh, that just really turn you into who you are. Yeah, definitely. Okay. This show focuses on digital monetization. Mm-hmm. Can you share with us what you feel are the, the best, some of your best monetization strategies? Oh, wow. Um, I'll tell you this, like some of the best people I've worked with that uh, can transform an organization. Number one, I alluded to this earlier, they ask great questions. And so number one, it's, it's being able to ask great questions. And number two, it's connecting those questions to a business acumen, to revenue, to efficiency, to profitability. And so it's when you so understand a business whether it's your own, whether it's where you're working or whether you're you know, at an agency working for another company, when you understand how they make money, when you understand what their expenses are, what takes away from profitability, it enables you to ask better questions. And then when you ask those questions and you connect them to revenue, profitability, those types of things, that's what launches you into a completely different level of running your business or advising someone else on their business because the better you understand the business and and I am just in love with learning people's business models the better I understand their business model and how they make money the better I can coach them as to the opportunities that are available uh, it, it just really comes down to understanding what's what's this business model what's it what's it based on how does it function and when I understand that man, that's where, that's where the fun starts. I, I love that you talk about this, asking great questions and listening and understanding. Those three words, ask, listen, understand. And those are three very different words and they mean three very different things. Mm-hmm. I have a philosophy that the more listening I do, the smarter I am, right? And sometimes <laughs> we jump in and we try to talk too much. Stephen Covey, that's one of his seven habits of highly effective people, you yeah. know, is seek first to understand before seeking to be understood. So mm-hmm. I, I agree with you listening is one of the most powerful ways to monetize because then we can position our product to sell. We can, we can understand what the needs are. We can 
customize and personalize based upon it. We can address true concerns. There's so many benefits of mm -hmm. truly asking, listening, and understanding. There was a recent survey done uh, during COVID about virtual selling, and especially B2B sellers. And in interviewing salespeople that were trying to sell and nurture leads through COVID, they were saying, I have a hard time connecting with customers, uh, their, their patient level, they're, they're not as attentive, and it's, it's a more difficult sell because of COVID. Well, when they went and interviewed buyers, those people that were in the lead funnel, overwhelmingly, their response was, I'm not being listened to. They don't really understand what I need, and they're not asking questions. Yep. And it, what was amazing about that, this had nothing to do with selling virtually because this whole survey was all about how has COVID affected it. But when you listen to the customers, it was nothing about selling virtually. These are basic sales principles. Yes. Uh, the, the book, last book I wrote was, was Teach New Dogs Old Tricks. And what that was is taking everything I learned in sales training, because I went through sales training when I was in college. And it's one of those things like, when am I going to use this? And my father told me, you are going to use this every day. So pay attention. Yeah. So, and he helped me pay for it because I, I worked my way through college and the sales jobs paid more than anything else. And there were just some of those lessons. And, you know, to your point, Nathan, one of the big lessons I learned, and, and we kind of played this game as a salesperson, whenever we go to a meeting, whoever talks the most loses. Yeah. Because if you talk the most, that means you dominated the meeting and the customer did not talk and express what they need. You were trying to sell the whole time and you didn't listen. So when you go into a meeting with that mentality that if they talk more than I do, they lost. Uh, and that's, a, you know, just some of those sales principles, they work so extremely well in digital marketing. And the better you understand those and apply them, it can do wonders in your digital marketing. In the, on the show, we obviously focus on digital monetization. The top vehicle that we use to help people achieve that monetization is a concept we call leveraging tectonic shifts. And the basic concept is, you, you know, in the world of geology, you have two tectonic plates move against each other. And when that happens, you can have massive destruction like earthquakes and volcan volcanic eruptions. But you also can have massive growth like mountain formation. And we use that as an analogy for business. And th that same thing is happening in business where we're constantly being, the business landscape is constantly being transformed. You know, we've seen the shift from bricks and mortar to internet and the shifts from yellow pages to search engines and the shifts from, um, you know, desktop to, to smartphones, right? What do you think are the biggest tectonic shifts we're dealing with today that are transforming our business landscape? <laughs> Wow. Um, what I'm looking at right now is um, the issue of cookies and privacy. That is going to be something to watch in the next few years. Uh, with, with Google eliminating third-party cookies, uh, now that's, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Third-party cookies, I, I've not always been a fan of that. It's been helpful to a degree, but it's also been responsible now for billions of dollars of ad fraud over the past 10 years. However, Google is consolidating the ad, the total ad revenue being spent online. If you want to reach a certain audience, you've got to go through Google. 
Uh, and the way Google's doing it is they're making themselves the owner of all first party data of anyone who has a Google account. Um, so that is a, a major shift that's going to be happening. Uh, that Google is, is consolidating power through this, through uh, the elimination of cookies. That's one shift. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how this happens. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people keep, you know, the easy answer is to say, oh, you know, we need more regulation or they need to be broken up. You know, Google is the number one lobbyist. Uh, they have an office in Washington, D.C., and they spend more money. Uh, it's Google and Amazon are the two biggest lobbyists in Washington right now. And they outspend other countries companies that are lobbying by millions of dollars maybe so, other countries that lobby too yeah they yeah exactly <laughs> it's a, it's another country's gdp what they're spending every year to lobby so it's not going to go away and it's not going to change uh but that's one of the biggest shifts that i'm watching right now thank you so much matt for sharing your stories and insights with us today here's some of my key takeaways from this episode Number one, we should be asking great questions that will give us actionable answers to grow our businesses. Number two, by asking, listening, and understanding our customers, we will understand our businesses better, know what our customers truly need, and be able to make much better informed decisions. Number three, there are many ways to create diversified revenue streams. Being open to new ideas and thinking outside the box can help us grow our revenue and give our business more stability. Number four, we should see our failures as opportunities to learn and grow. They are necessary steps along our path to success. If you want to learn more about Matt or connect with him, you can find him on LinkedIn or check out sitelogicmarketing.com to learn more. And there's links to both of those sites in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. Do you want to be a better digital monetizer? Then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, you can subscribe to the free monetization e-magazine and get a free passion marketing ebook at passionmarketing.com. Number two, you can subscribe to the Monetization Nation podcast and YouTube channel. And number three, please follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. How are you chasing numbers instead of profits? And what can you do differently to more successfully chase profits? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in your efforts to chase profits. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.